So I'm about three to four weeks into my strategic management classes through the nonprofit、um, certificate program that the Duguid Institute has invited me to be a part of. And in this experience of learning, Professor Rob has given us kind of this guidance of just imagining your mission, your nonprofit, and what it would look like in. An ideal world or situation, looking at your focus and your aim, and and really why you why you exist. You know what is the purpose of evolving minds. And sometimes I think it's helpful to imagine a world of care. And what would a world of care look like to you? And maybe even take a pause in this moment. Taking a few deep breaths in at the belly, closing the eyes if that's helpful, or keeping them open, whatever whatever is comfortable for you. This will be a brief kind of guided exploration around who we are, allowing the breath to return to a natural rhythm. Allowing the shoulders to drop down, feet on the ground, feeling the support of whatever is contacting the body beneath you, and noticing sounds—the sounds of this voice and the sounds that are closer and farther away. Taking a moment to imagine, it might have been quite a busy or hectic day. Maybe there was a lot of stress or conflict or fear. And when we wake up in the morning, and if we scroll or search, nine times out of ten, our eyes are filled with death, violence, fear, destruction. And so, knowing that this is one part of this human experience, and taking a moment to really imagine what would a world look like full of care, kindness, compassion, joy. You might even smile at the mouth as you envision all of the endless possibilities. As you move throughout the day, where care can just show itself out of nowhere. What would a world look like if it was full of care? Noticing the breath and sounds, and returning with eyes open back to the space around you. I'd be very curious to know what you imagined. For me, when I think of a world of care, I think of. Stronger and healthier relationships, stronger social connections, less isolation. People aren't lonely. There's love for each other, not just love to a family member or friend, but feeling connected and loving towards a stranger, towards someone who needs help. 
a world of care is less drunk driving and drunk driving crashes and turning the lights off when you leave a room. And I envision a world of care is something intrinsic to who we are, social bonds, communities. It's what's got us to this point in time. So I believe it's very powerful. Care and compassion. So I'm excited that this is our mission, creating a culture of care and empowering the youth specifically to do that. So Professor Rob asked me to imagine and and look at our mission. And so, you know, I looked at our mission. I feel pretty confident about this mission statement. But as we invite more and more people into this movement, into this organization, no doubt over time it will change as we gather more and more communities and perspectives outside of my own. And so he also had us look at a mission gap, which is this idea, if any of you are creating or thinking about creating, there's something we that calls to us, this vision of changing, and there's this huge societal need, a gap. Here's your ideal reality, what you kind of want the world to look like, and here's this, just this like deep chasm of, uh, that has no has no ground if you look into this like cavern like you just look down there's and you're on one side and you can kind of see the other there's just this endless endless space and so when we focus our aim and when we focus kind of our mission on something specific because what does it mean to create a culture of care right because that, what that could mean is less violence less murders less deaths less wars how do you quantify that? How do you measure that? And so our focus in creating a culture of care is around mental health. So we look at kind of just in this American climate, the mental health crisis. And this is why I say it's very hard to actually, the gap is between our mission and our you know ideal world, a culture of care. How do we get there? Almost 50% of adults in the United States will develop a mental health challenge. 50%. I believe it's really around 46, but we're just going to round up. That is an incredible number that honestly last week was daunting because I was in a coffee shop kind of like looking at, okay, let's look at the actual challenge that we're facing. And that's a daunting place to begin, looking at the real world need. And that number is super underrepresented because you can imagine all of the communities, specifically those that have been ravaged by poverty and systemic racism and oppression, the underreporting that goes on in those communities, but also in all of the communities of immigrants and refugees and the LGBTQ community. And so the number is, is quite staggering. And so where do we begin? Where do we start? And so I think part of this path is, is figuring out our aim. Well, maybe we focus on preventative care, specifically for the youth, ages around 10 to 34. And this, to me, is a good place to start for evolving minds and, and kind of, okay, this is, you know, we're starting to understand this is the direction, this is where we're headed. So if we can look at outcome measures, right, and things that have been going on in the, in the environment, well, 
Since 1999, 25%. The suicide rate has gone up 25% in that age group, 10 to 34. So that's somewhere that we could start to say, okay, how can we make an impact here? How can we change this culture, shift it more towards care? And then we start looking at the actual vision. Well, with our programs that are in our current capacity, how do we get there? If we're envisioning this ideal, how do we get there? And so maybe that's putting mindful living for professionals in 100 schools. Because then you can imagine if we have 100 schools delivering this preventative, mental health preventative care, reaching about 1,000 students, what is that, 100,000? So then in 10 years, we'll reach a million people which is how we make a dent in this mental health spectrum of all of these challenges. So there's a huge social need. And here we are, imagining, well, let's create a culture of care. And what does that look like? So our vision is, is this. And it is rooted in care, community, advocacy, resilience, empowerment. So yes, we are a small startup in this moment. But just imagine the possibilities with me for a second. So we're going to start in the DMV area, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. And we're going to radically transform this geographic region and shift it in the direction of compassion. And how do we do that? Well, first, we embed ourselves in all institutions that exist. Schools, universities, community centers, government, for-profit, non-profit. And we bring them this mindful living for professionals. Or maybe it'll branch off because I've already been imagining different possibilities of how can we reach hundreds of thousands of people? Well, we have to create hundreds and thousands of community builders and we have to give them a curriculum that they can then go into their communities and create an actual and intentional community in their space. So phase one of Evolving Minds is establishing hundreds and thousands of Evolving Minds communities where we are delivering accessible and approachable mental health care. Hundreds and thousands, and maybe even tens of thousands. And so this will have to be done with volunteers, train the trainer, training the youth. Something really exciting that I'd like to share with you that happened this week was I sat down with two youth at one of our schools, and we're going to start imagining training them in this community building curriculum, 10 resilience-based skills that they can then integrate into a club that they want to create because they want to create a club around caring about others, which is just beautiful. And then we're going to move into the classrooms and offer this resilience curriculum to the students in these classrooms. Imagine that with hundreds and thousands of students all across the DMV. And then these students are then going to elementary and middle schools and serving as mentors. The most important thing in our vision is creating community, an authentic, genuine community that when you come in, you leave feeling connected. You leave with five to 10 social bonds in just an hour of an experience. You leave feeling connected to something greater than yourself. I belong. This isn't weird or... Or maybe I, I sense that it's weird, but 
This is a part of the human experience. And there are skills that can get us in this direction. So that's it, phase one. Phase two is really taking all of these communities and amplifying their voices on our platform, on other platforms, embedding ourselves in other nonprofits, and joining forces in together, and really creating a huge mental health coalition and network that re-envisions this system that we don't even have a mental health care system. And I hope that's not invalidating to some of you who are a part of that, but know that there's just so much change that is needed. So then we will amplify those student perspective voices and move in the direction of policy change. So we have the community and then we have advocacy and the resilience pieces discovering all of these healers that exist. To heal is human and there are thousands of healers all in the DMV, youth, who are in class, who are completely tuned out, but who intrinsically are healers. They care. They're compassionate. It becomes it comes natural to them. Friends and people gravitate in their direction. Let's empower them. And this is where we get to the E of care, empowerment. We, I, don't have answers or solutions to how to solve or 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 combat a system that fit almost half of us will face a mental health challenge you know where do we begin with that what i believe is the answer or what i believe is what we can really do is we create a pool a network hundreds of other nonprofits that we can raise up from the ground. When students from universities leave and have ideas, we can feed them the resources that they need and we could create an entire network of all of these different organizations geared towards care. That's how we do this. It's not alone. There is no I in evolving minds. There's only us, we together. So that's a little bit of the vision, and I hope you can feel it, and I hope you can sense and even question, well, what does a culture of care look like for me? And how do I bring that out more in my day-to-day? Is it just smiling at people walking on the street? I went out running, and, and today's been kind of a slow start for me, and I've been noticing my mind really kind of like, oh, you're not doing enough, you're not doing enough, okay, you have to do something, right? This continuous go, go, go mindset. And I just I got out and, and went for a run. And I'm running on the path, and it's in the neighbor. It's really close to my apartment. There's this neighborhood with these houses, and there's this path with this small little pond. And I and I'm like running, and uh, I see a older, you know, adult, but also with a little baby. And they kind of move to the side for a little bit for me to pass. And I look down, and the baby just goes, "Hi," and, and this is a sm- very small child. And I felt uplifted in that moment that this being saw me as I was running. And I was like, wow. And I looked at the trees around me and I felt alive. And I remembered how relational we are. Two other stories of being in relationship this week that aren't necessarily coming from the same angle. One of them was in our, you know, one of our programs that we're offering is with youth, first graders, second and fifth graders. And I've been really struggling with this group and I shared this with the program director. And so the program director kind of surprise, sat in on groups with me. And this was very kind of, uh, I could feel myself going into like this reserve mode, kind of like a shell, like, 
not as animated, not as vocal, not as Anthony. And so in this space, the director was kind of, you know, being an authority figure with the kids. And, and I felt like, damn, I'm a snitch. <laughs> you know, like these kids, I, you know, I did say something. I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but sitting in on group with them, you could see the shift and the vibe. And and so, you know, I, I, I did mindfulness of eating and I passed around Starburst. And this is such a good experience for uh, engaging a group. Like they're just, they're so into it right away with food and candy, especially second to fifth graders giving them candy. So maybe I'll start there in the future. One of my hesitations for not going in the direction of mindful eating and, and kind of being cautious and questioning it is there are a number of students and youth in schools who don't have food at home, who don't, who maybe their first meal of the day is at school. So for me as a white privileged male to walk into a space and pull out a snack and be like, oh, let's go through this with the five senses. It, to me, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if that is causing more harm or good when they don't even have food to, when some of these students don't even have food to eat on a daily basis. So to me, I'm still questioning and I haven't really come to kind of a, uh, a consensus, I would say, on that. Um, but then we, I, there was another group with the first graders and again, you know, the program director was there and, and sitting in on the space with us. And then the experience was over. I'd run both 45 minute groups and, you know, the program director was like, you know, I, I Anthony stay for a few minutes. I talk to you and I could almost immediately feel my body like preparing for the judgments and kind of like the, uh, criticism or critique, you know, cause I was being, in effect, judge. When someone else of authority or a program sits in a space when you and observe you, it's really difficult and challenging to be yourself. And so, you know, we sat down and they were giving me some feedback and, the, and, and it was like, your mindfulness stuff is great, but... And immediately I could just sense like, okay. And, and it's challenging to be in some of those environments sometimes, to be to be doing you feel like good work or trying your best and and, and and to be honest I had been in reservation from actually going into those groups because those kids are so wild and and so I was noticing that and then to receive that feedback didn't necessarily balance it out for me so that was an interesting experience um, and then another one was in one of the schools that we're in I was uh, preparing for a meeting sitting in a space and I was listening to some teachers interact with some students and I could feel this experience in my body, aversion, kind of like, oh, why are you, why are you talking to this human this way? It was, it was very, um, you know, one per, there, it was something to do with clothing. Not there is a uniform, and and they had to borrow clothing, and they didn't give uh, the clothing that they borrowed back to the teacher, and 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 so what was happening in this space was the teacher was being, uh, this educator, I'm not sure if they're a teacher or not, was being very. Uh, authoritarian, you know, look me in the eyes, kind of, and this other individual was really uh, distressed and harmed the, the, the youth. They were, you know, breathing heavily. They had to walk out of this space, and they were emotional. And to me, in this moment, I was sitting there in a neutral, of course, um, in a neutral way, just receiving the experience from the outside, again, being in relationship with others. And I just was like, wow, that, 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 that's got to be burnout or something or, or just how could, you know, 
if we could imagine again, right, what does a culture of care look like? It wasn't, it wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. And and so in our Mindful Living for Professionals program with teachers, we've been receiving some, you know, uh, when we talk in, in group learning period, when we kind of go around and share, like, how are we integrating this mindfulness and this pausing and this stuff in our day-to-day experience? You know, there are educators that will, that will say, I, you know, instead of yelling at my students, I'll take three deep breaths. And to me, that is a huge, a huge accomplishment, a huge place to be. Because when, you, when you're yelling in, author, in that authoritarian way, and I under, and, you know, classrooms are very, you know, maybe you're being disre- disrespected, maybe they're not listening to you, but the ability to pause instead of immediately reacting is what this practice is about. And so I could just imagine if we had, if, you know, if we were training all these teachers, which we soon hope to be, in that moment, what if that educator realized and took a deep breath in? Because they don't know if that young adult is homeless. They don't know if that young adult uh, comes from a impoverished background and doesn't have a washer and dryer when they can clean their clothes every day. So we don't really know the circumstances of another person's life, and then we react. And this creates harm on so many levels, and we see it every day. So I'd just like to share those experiences, a little bit of the vision, and a little bit of two experiences that spoke to me that weren't necessarily comfortable or exciting, but very kind of like um, I was attuned to them. Something else that's very exciting is that we are starting an intern search. So we are looking for some interns to join us in the summer and the fall. Um, And, you know, we haven't started actually uploading the podcasts yet. So I'm talking to no one. (laughs) It's really a weird experience. I was telling, I was talking to one of our soon to be board of directors about this. And I was like, yeah, just talking into it. Like, you know, I feel, you know, the presence of you and in, in your in connecting to evolving minds. And, and I want to connect and I want to be authentic and I want to share myself and I want to share this journey. I want you to feel like you have a connection to the experience of the creation of evolving minds. That is the intention of this podcast series, weekly updates. And I, and I hope that you are um, getting something out of it. And with that... Take care. Bye-bye.